Section 39 of A Year Amongst the Persians by Edward Granville Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. A Year Amongst the Persians by Edward Granville Brown. Section 39 wednesday nineteenth june ninth shawal this morning i received a visit from a very melancholy person who i think held the office of treasurer to the prince governor he told me that he did not like europeans and would not have come to see me if he had not heard that i unlike most of them took an interest in religious questions into which he forthwith plunged arguing against the possibility of the use of wine being sanctioned by any true prophet and defending the seclusion of women and the use of the veil against these last i argued very earnestly pointing out the evils which as it appeared to me resulted from them he was silent for a while after i had finished speaking and then said it is true i admit the force of your arguments and i cannot at this moment give a sufficient and satisfactory answer to them though i believe there must be one but i will not attempt to give an insufficient answer for my sole desire is to be just and fair before he left he told me that he suffered much from indigestion brought on by excessive meditation adding i fear i fear greatly i asked him what he feared and he replied god in the afternoon feridun came to me while i was sitting in hauji shirazi's shop to arrange a visit to the dachme or tower of silence of the zoroastrians hauji shirazi was most insolent to him calling him a son of a dog pedar sag a gabre and the like i saw poor feridun flush up with an anger which it cost him an effort to control and would fain have given the drunken old haji a piece of my mind had i been certain that he did not intend his rudeness for playful banter and i had not further feared that in any case my remonstrances would only increase his spite against feridun which i could only hope to suppress so long as i remained at kerman i told feridun this afterwards and he not only approved my action but begged me not to interfere in any similar case it would do no permanent good he said and would only embitter them against us but do not forget what we poor zoroastrians have to suffer at the hands of these mussulmans when you return to your native land and try if you can to do something for us towards evening i rode out with gushtasp and feridun to the lonely dachmer situated on a jagged mountain spur at some little distance from the town gushtasp rode his donkey but feridun who was a bold and skilful rider had borrowed a horse for the zoroastrians at kerman are not subjected to restrictions quite so irksome as those which prevail at yazd 
we stopped twice on the way to drink wine at a place called sarepol bridge end and at a sort of halfway house where funerals halt on their way to the dachme or rather dachmes for there are two of them one disused and one built by monakchi the late zoroastrian agent at tehran a little higher up the ridge at the foot of this we dismounted mulla gushtasp remaining below to look after the animals while i ascended with feridun by a steep path leading to the upper dachme here feridun whose brother had recently been conveyed to his last resting-place proceeded to mutter some prayers untying and rebinding his girdle or koshti as he did so after which he produced a bottle of wine and poured three libations to the dead exclaiming as he did so may god forgive all those who are gone and then helped himself and passed the wine to me observing an inscribed tablet on the side of the dachme which was still some twenty yards above us i called my companion's attention to it and made as though i would have advanced towards it but he checked me none said he may pass beyond this spot where we stand save only those whose duty it is to convey the dead to their last resting-place and a curse falls on him who persists in so doing as he spoke he pointed to a persian inscription cut on the rock beside us which i had not previously observed wherein a curse was invoked on any one whom curiosity or a desire to molest the dead should impel to enter the dachme near this was inscribed the well-known verse a dust bar genauze doshman chu begzari shaudi makon kibarto hamin maujarabovad o friend when thou passest by the corpse of thine enemy rejoice not for on thee will the same fate fall below this was recorded the date of the dachme's completion zelhedje twentieth a h twelve eighty three twenty fifth april a d eighteen sixty seven corresponding to the year twelve thirty six of yazdegerd on returning to the garden i found the inevitable seyyed hossein who had arrived soon after i had gone out and in my absence had been inflicting his theological dissertations on naeb hassan it had been arranged that i should visit a certain mirza muhammad jafar khan a nephew of the great leader of the sheikhis and antagonist of the babis haji muhammad karim khan who had called upon me a few days previously and the seyyed hearing this insisted on accompanying me on reaching his house which stood alone at some distance from the town we were received by him and a stout pallid youth named yusuf khan who i believe was his cousin or nephew in the tambal khane or lounging-room the walls of which were profusely decorated with a strange medley of cheap european prints and photographs representing scripture incidents 
scenes from uncle tom's cabin scantily clothed women and other incongruous subjects arranged in the worst possible taste the low opinion of my host's character with which this exhibition inspired me was not bettered by his conversation which was so far as i remember singularly pointless he evidently felt ill at ease in the presence of the seyyed who inquired very searchingly as to the reception which the eldest of haji mohammad karim khan's sons the present chief of the sheikhis had met with at the holy shrines of karbala and najaf whither he had recently gone so far as we could learn he had been anything but cordially received and at kauzamein the people had not suffered him to preach in the mosque on my return to the garden i had supper with naeb hassan who aspersed the character of my new acquaintance in a way which i cannot bring myself to repeat thursday twentieth june tenth shawwal this morning i paid a visit to one of the most eminent members of the clergy of kerman the mujtahed mulla muhammad saleh kermani he was a fine-looking man with a long black beard and deeply furrowed brow and received me with a somewhat haughty courtesy he conversed on religious topics only pointing out the beauties of the law of islam and taking great exception to the carelessness of europeans in certain matters of purification on leaving his house i was taken to see an iron foundry where i was shown two excellent-looking enfield rifles manufactured by a kermani gunsmith in imitation of one of european workmanship lent to him by the prince governor in the afternoon i received a visit from the two frenchmen of whose arrival in kerman i have already spoken haji mohammad khan mulla yusuf and seyyed hossein happened to come while they were with me but the last on a hint from naeb hassan that wine was likely to be produced fled precipitately to the satisfaction of every one the frenchmen appeared from their account to have had a very rough journey from mashhad to kerman and not to enjoy much comfort even here they were delighted with the wine cognac and tea which i placed before them for they had not been able to obtain any sort of alcohol here not knowing whither to go for it and conversed freely on everything save the objects of their journey of which they seemed unwilling to speak though haji mohammad khan who really did speak french with some approach to fluency endeavoured again and again to extract some information from them he was so disgusted at his ill success that he afterwards announced to me his conviction that they were persons of no rank or breeding and that he had no wish to see anything more of them in the evening i supped with the prince governor the party being completed by the sheikh of qom and the prince telegraphist the meal was served in european fashion in a room in the balgenauserie palace which was brightly illuminated a great number of european dishes was set before us no doubt in my honour though as a matter of fact i should have greatly preferred persian cookery 
wine too was provided and not merely for show either the prince acting i suppose on the aphorism address men according to the measure of their understandings conversed chiefly on european politics in which i felt myself thoroughly out of my depth he was however extremely kind and when i left insisted on lending me a horse and a man to conduct me home friday twenty first june eleventh shawwal in the afternoon i returned mirza javad's call and found with him his son and his son's tutor mulla Ghulam hussein a sheikhi from whom i extracted the following account of the essential doctrines of his school the bala saris or ordinary shiites said he assert that the essentials of religion are five to wit belief in the unity of god tawhid the justice of god adl the prophetic function nubavat the imamate imamat and the resurrection ma'aud now we say that two of these cannot be reckoned as primary doctrines at all for belief in the prophet involves belief in his book and the teachings which it embodies amongst which is the resurrection and there is no more reason for regarding a belief in god's justice as a principal canon of faith than belief in god's mercy or god's omnipotence or any other of his attributes of their five principles or essentials osul therefore we accept only three but to these we add another namely that there must always exist amongst the musulmans a perfect shiite Shi'aikamel, who enjoys the special guidance of the imams and acts as a channel of grace between them and their church this tenet we call the fourth support or fourth essential principle of religion in the evening i was the guest of osta akbar a parcher of peas at supper and stayed the night at his house amongst the guests were aga fathullah a young azali minstrel and poet who sung verse in praise of the bab composed by himself sheikh ibrahim of sultanabad one of his intimates and admirers a servant of the farrash bashi named abdullah a post office official whom i will call haydarullah and the pea-parcher's brother as the evening wore on these began to talk very wildly in a fashion with which i was soon to become too familiar declaring themselves to be one with the divine essence and calling upon me by such titles as janabi saheb and hazrat ferangi to acknowledge that there was no one but the lord jesus present wearied and somewhat disgusted as i was it was late before they would suffer me to retire to rest on the roof saturday twenty second june twelfth shawwal the party at osta akbar's did not break up till about an hour and a half before sunset when i returned to the garden accompanied by sheikh ibrahim who from this time forth until i left kerman became my constant companion 
though more than once disgusted at his blasphemous conversation and drunkenness i endeavoured to discourage his visits but he was not one to be easily shaken off and on these occasions when my indignation had been specially kindled against him he would make so fair a show of regret for his conduct that i was constrained to forget his unseemly behaviour moreover he was a man well worth talking to so long as he was sober or not more than half drunk having travelled widely through persia turkey and egypt seen many strange things and stranger people and mixed with almost every class and sect as it is the privilege of his order to do he was indeed one of the most extraordinary men whom i ever met and presented a combination of qualities impossible in any but a persian anarchist antinomian heretic and libertine to the very core he gloried in drunkenness and expressed the profoundest contempt for every ordinance of islam boasting of how he had first eaten pork in the company of a european traveller with whom he foregathered in egypt and quoting in excuse for his orgies of hashish and spirits this couplet from the masnavi nange bango khamr bar khod minahi to dami az khishtan to warahi thou disgracest thyself with bang and wine in order that for a moment thou mayest escape from thyself i have seen him on an occasion when by the laws of islam the minor ablution was incumbent on him take up an empty ewer of Dabe, and when warned by his friends that it contained no water replied bah what do i care i only carry it to blind these accursed dogs of orthodoxy who if they had but proof of one-tenth of the contempt which i entertain for them and their observances would tear me to pieces he professed to be a barbie and as will be related in its proper place had all but suffered death for his beliefs when a youth he had visited baha at acre and subh azal in cyprus and declared himself to be a follower of the former though in point of fact he paid no more attention to the commands and prohibitions of the kitab aqdas than to those of the quran accounting all laws human and divine as made by the wise for fools to observe in short he was just a free-thinking free-living antinomian dervish or kalandar a sort of mixture of omar khayyam and eraqi with only a fraction of their talent and culture and ten times their disregard for orthodox opinion and conventional morality yet was he lacking neither in originality power of observation and deduction nor humour and his intelligence now sadly undermined by narcotics and alcohol must have originally been sufficiently acute such was the man in whose society it was my lot to pass a considerable portion of my remaining days at kerman again and again as i have said i would have cast him off and been quit of him 
but ever the interest of his extraordinary character and the charm of his conversation made me condone his faults and bear with him a little longer he was a perfect repository of information concerning the roads halting places towns and peoples of western asia you had but to ask him how to reach any town from a given starting-place and he would in a few minutes sketch you out two or three alternative routes with the stages advantages disadvantages and points of interest of each to give an instance i had at this time some idea of quitting persia by hamadan and making my way thence to the mediterranean and i inquired of sheikh ibrahim whether this project was feasible oh yes he replied nothing can be easier from hamadan you will go to sanandej a march of four days thence in four days to soleimaniye thence in four days more to mosul where you must certainly pay a visit to zainul mokarrabin and who inquired i is zainul mokarrabin he is one of the most notable of the friends ahbab that is the babis replied he and to him is entrusted the revision and correction of all copies of the sacred books sent out for circulation of which indeed the most trustworthy are those transcribed by his hand his real name is mulla zainul abedin of najafabad you may also see at mosul mirza abdul wahhab of shiraz the seal engraver who will cut for you a seal bearing an inscription in the new writing and mirza abdullah alaqeband both of whom are worth visiting are these the only babis at mosul i inquired oh no he answered you will find plenty of them there and elsewhere on your route you can tell them by their dress they wear the turkish fez with a small white turban and a jobbe they do not shave their heads but on the other hand they never allow the zolf to grow below the level of the lobe of the ear well to continue from mosul you will go in four days to jezire thence in three days to mardin thence in four days to diarbekr thence in four days to orfa thence in two days to sovarak thence in three days to aura thence in three days to birajik and thence in six days to eskanderun alexandretta where you can take a ship for constantinople or alexandria or your own country as you please but you should by all means go to Accra and visit baha so that your experience may be complete you have visited Accra, have you not i inquired tell me what sort of place it is and what you saw there yes he replied i was there for seventy days during which period i was honoured musharraf by admission to the holy presence twelve times the first time i was accompanied by two of baha's sons by his amanuensis and constant attendant aga mirza aga john of kaushan whom they call janab-e his excellence the servant of god 
and by my fellow traveller all these so soon as we entered the presence chamber prostrated themselves on the ground but while i ignorant of the etiquette generally observed was hesitating what to do baha called out to me it is not necessary lazem nist then said he twice in a loud voice god bless you and then most blessed are ye in that ye have been honoured by beholding me which thing saints and prophets have desired most earnestly then he bade us be seated and gave orders for tea to be set before us my companion hesitated to drink it lest he should appear wanting in reverence seeing which baha said the meaning of offering a person tea is that he should drink it then we drank our tea and khadimullah read aloud one of the epistles alvah after which we were dismissed during my stay at acre i was taken ill but baha sent me a portion of the pelo which had been set before him and this i had no sooner eaten than i was restored to health you should have seen how the other believers envied me and how they begged for a few grains from my share and this happened on two subsequent occasions when i left acre baha commended me but bade me preach the doctrine no more because i had already suffered enough in god's way later on mirza yusuf of tabriz joined us and thinking to please sheikh ibrahim pretended that he too was a babi but when sheikh ibrahim feigned ignorance of the whole matter expressing surprise and in some cases mild disapproval at what mirza yusuf told him of the doctrines and practices of the sect the latter thinking that he had made a mistake changed his ground and told us that he had only pretended to be a convert to the new religion so as to get money from the rich and charitable bobbies at yazd i could hardly contain my laughter as i watched mirza yusuf thus entangling himself in the snare set for him by the sheikh who meanwhile never so much as smiled at the success of his stratagem i expected of course that the whole story would become known to all the babis in kerman but i think the sheikh kept his own counsel being less concerned with the exposure of hypocrisy than with his own amusement after mirza yusuf's withdrawal the sheikh having communicated to me a great deal of very scandalous gossip about the postmaster whom he was by way of considering as one of his best friends began to disclose with high approval the character of the free-thinking poet Nasserichosro, whose poems and apocryphal autobiography he had been recently reading the episode in the autobiography which had especially delighted him and which he repeated to me with infinite relish runs as follows note i translate from the tabriz edition of nasserichosro's works lithographed in a h twelve eighty a d eighteen sixty four pages six seven end note after much trouble we reached the city of nishapur 
there being with us a pupil of mine an expert and learned metaphysician now in the whole city of nishapur there was no one who knew us so we came and took up our abode in a mosque as we walked through the city at the door of every mosque by which we passed men were cursing me and accusing me of heresy and atheism but the disciple knew nothing of their opinion concerning me one day as i was passing through the bazaar a man from egypt saw and recognized me and approached me saying art thou not nasser khosro and is not this thy brother abu sa'id in terror i seized his hand and engaging him in conversation led him to my lodging then i said take thirty thousand mescals of gold and refrain from divulging the secret when he had consented i at once bade my familiar spirit produce that sum gave it to him and thrust him out from my lodging then i went with abu sa'id to the bazaar halted at the shop of a cobbler and gave him my shoes to repair that we might go forth from the city when suddenly a clamour made itself heard near at hand and the cobbler hastened in the direction whence the sounds proceeded after a while he returned with a piece of flesh on the end of his bradawl what inquired i was the disturbance and what is this piece of flesh why replied the cobbler it appears that one of nasserichosro's disciples appeared in the city and began to dispute with the doctors thereof these repudiated his assertions each adducing some respectable authority while he continued to quote in support of his views verses of nasserichosro so the clergy tore him in pieces as a meritorious action and i too to merit a reward cut off a portion of his flesh when i learned what had befallen my disciple i could no longer control myself and said to the cobbler give me my shoes for one should not tarry in a city where the verses of nasserichosro are recited so i took my shoes and came forth with my brother from nishapur the sheikh then recited to me the two following fragments of nasserichosro's verse which it will be allowed are sufficient to account for the lack of favour wherewith he was regarded by the clergy of nishapur elahi rost guyam fitne as tost vali as tars natvanam chakidan agarigi bekafshikhod nadari chera bayast shaytun afaridan labo dendan khuban khatara بدین خوبی نبایست آفریدن به آهو میزنی هی هی که بگریز به تازی میزنی هی بر دویدن O God, although through fear I hardly dare to hint it, all our troubles springs from thee. Hadst thou no sand or gravel in thy shoes, what prompted thee to bid the devil be? T'were well and thou hadst made the lips and teeth, of tartar beauties not so fair to see with cries of on thou bidst the hound pursue with cries of on thou bidst the quarry flee now serechosro bedashti migozasht mastila yaqil nachun meikhawragan 
مبرزی دید و مزاری روبرو بانگ برزد گفت که نزارگان نعمت دنیا و نعمت خور بین اینچ نعمت اینچ نعمت خارگان dead drunk not like a common sot one day nasir khosro went to take the air hard by a dung heap he espied a grave and straightway cried o ye who stand and stare behold the world behold its luxuries its dainties here the fools who ate them there ere evening was past the sheikh like nasir khosro was dead drunk not like a common sot and finally to my great relief went to sleep wrapped in his cloak in a formless heap on the floor where we left him till morning he awoke very late and was sipping his morning tea with a begone air which contrasted strangely with his vivacity of the previous day when visitors were announced and my disagreeable acquaintance Haji Muhammad Khan, accompanied by a pleasant, well-informed mullah named Haji Sheikh Jafar of Karbala, entered the room. He was more than usually impertinent and inquisitive, inquired when Sheikh Ibrahim had come to the garden, and on learning from me that he had been there since the previous night, lifted his eyebrows in surprise remarking that the sheikh had said he came that morning early and then proceeded to inquire pointedly how the postmaster was and whether i had any fresh news from adrianople or acre meaning of course to imply his belief that i was a babi finally however naeb hassan came to the rescue reminding me in a loud voice that i had accepted an invitation to visit hormozyar one of my zoroastrian friends at his garden he omitted to mention that the engagement was for the evening but the intimation had the desired effect of causing haji muhammad khan to retire taking the divine with him i now wish to go out but to this sheikh ibrahim objected declaring that it was too hot so we had lunch and then adjourned to the summer-house where he fell asleep over my bobby history on awakening from his nap he was more like his usual self and began to entertain me with his conversation so you met sheikh s the bobby courier at shiraz did you he began a fine old fellow he is too and has had some strange experiences did he tell you how he ate the letters no i replied tell me about it ah he continued he is not given to talking much well you must know that he goes to acre once every year to convey letters from the friends in persia and elsewhere and to bring back replies he takes esfahan shiraz yazd and the south while dervish khawar takes mazandaran gilan and the northern part of iraq riding about on a donkey selling drugs and passing himself off as an oculist the sheikh however goes everywhere on foot save when he has to cross the sea 
and this i fancy he only does when he cannot well avoid it at least since a ship in which he was a passenger was wrecked between bushir and basra and every one on board drowned save himself and another dervish who managed to keep themselves above water by means of floating wreckage until after fourteen or fifteen hours exposure they were drifted ashore as a rule he so times his return from the interior as to reach bushir early in the month of zelhedje whereby he is enabled to join the pilgrims bound for jeddah and mecca after the conclusion of the pilgrimage he makes his way to acre where he generally stays about two months while the letters which he has brought are being answered though he is not perhaps honoured by admission to baha's presence more than once or twice during this period he is in many ways a privileged person being allowed to go into the andarun women's apartments when he pleases and to sit with outstretched feet and uncovered head even in the presence of the masters Ogoyan, that is baha's sons when the letters are all answered he packs them into his wallet takes his staff and sets off by way of beirut for mosul where he stays for about a month with zainul muqarrabin of whom i told you a few days ago thence he makes his way down the tigris to baghdad and so across the frontier into persia he walks always off the beaten track to avoid recognition and for the same reason seldom enters a town or village save to buy sufficient bread and onions he is passionately fond of onions to last him several days these he packs away in his wallet on the top of the letters at night he generally sleeps in a graveyard or in some other unfrequented spot where he is not likely to be disturbed unless there be some of the friends in the place where he halts in which case they are always glad to give him a night's lodging well it was about his eating his letters that i was going to tell you once in the course of his travels he was recognized in a village near yazd arrested locked up in an empty room to await examination by the kadkhoda or headman the kadkhoda chanced to be engaged when word was brought to him that the bobby courier had been caught leave him locked up where he is said he till i can come now the sheikh is a man of resource and finding that the kadkhoda did not immediately come to examine him he began to cast about for some means of destroying the compromising letters in his wallet for he knew that if these should fall into the hands of the enemy the writers would get into trouble unluckily there was no fire nor any means of making one and the earth which formed the floor of the room was too hard to dig a hole in even if it would have been safe to bury the letters in a place whence they could not afterwards be removed there was only one thing left to do namely to eat them and this the sheikh proceeded to do it was a tough meal for their total weight amounted to several pounds and some of them were written on thick strong paper in particular there was one great packet from rafsinjan which cost the sheikh a world of trouble and on the senders of which as i have myself heard him say 
he lavished a wealth of curses and expletives ere he finally succeeded in chewing it up and swallowing it at length however the whole mass of correspondence was disposed of and when his persecutors arrived there was the old sheikh with a very dry mouth i expect and likely enough somewhat uneasy within sitting there as innocent-looking as could be the cad khoda and his men didn't pay much heed to that though nor to his protestations but when they had turned his wallet inside out and searched all his pockets and found not so much as the vestige of a letter to reward them for their pains they were rather taken aback and began to think they had made a mistake they gave him the bastinado to make all sure but as he continued to protest that he was no bobby and no courier and knew nothing about any letters at all they eventually had to let him go we were interrupted by the unwelcome arrival of seyyed hossein of jandag and quickly as i pushed the bobby history under a cushion he noticed the movement and forthwith proceeded to make himself disagreeable an accomplishment in which he excelled to sheikh ibrahim persistently and pointedly asking him about wine where the best qualities were manufactured how and when it was usually drunk and the like on all of which points the sheikh professed himself perfectly ignorant the seyyed however continued to discourse in this uncomfortable strain concluding severely with the aphorism mendana bidinin lazimahu ahkamu whosoever professeth a faith its laws are binding on him presently the farrash bashi's servant abdullah who was one of the sheikh's intimates joined us and we had tea but the seyyed continued to act in the same aggressive and offensive manner inquiring very particularly whether the cup placed before him had been properly purified since last it touched my infidel lips mirza yusuf of tabriz who had brought it answered pertly enough and put the old man in a still worse temper so that i was very glad when naeb hassan reminded me in a loud voice that it was time to set out for the garden of hormozyar whose guest i was to be that evening and the seyyed departed grumbling as he went you have already forgotten the advice i gave you the other day eat no man's bread and grudge not thine own bread to any one sheikh ibrahim though uninvited insisted on accompanying me and naeb hassan to hormozyar's entertainment we found about twenty guests there assembled all with the exception of ourselves and fatullah the minstrel zoroastrians rostams and rashids shahriars dinyars and ormozdyars keikhosros and khodamorads bahmans bahrams esfandiyars and mehrabans the entertainment was on a magnificent scale the minstrel sang well and the pleasure of the evening was only marred by the conduct of sheikh ibrahim who got disgustingly drunk and behaved in the most indecorous manner 
but that he came under your aegis said hormozyar to me afterwards when i apologized for his behavior and explained how he had forced his company upon me we would have tied his feet to the poles and given him the sticks for if sticks be not for such drunken brutes as him i know not for what they were created i was constrained to admit that he was right but for all that i was unable to shake off my disreputable companion who accompanied us back to the garden when we said good-night to our host and slept heavily on the ground wrapped in his cloak the next day monday fourteenth shawwal twenty fourth june will ever be to me the most memorable for thereon did i come under the glamour of the poppy wizard and forge the first link of a chain which it afterwards cost me so great an effort to break thereon also was first disclosed to me that vision of antinomian pantheism which is the world of the kalendar and the source of all that is wildest and strangest in the poetry of the persians with this eventful day then let me open a new chapter end of section thirty nine end of chapter sixteen kerman society recording by nicholas james bridgewater recorded in london england